Game two of the three-game series against the Royals is tonight with Alec Manoa on the mound. It's guaranteed win night, isn't it, when Alec Manoa is on the mound? Think so. Against Brad Keller. Do, do, do. Don't have okay. a ton of lefties either in the lineup. No. Benintendi's probably be back tonight, though. Yeah, Andrew Benintendi didn't play last night. Well, we'll we'll talk to Rex Hudler, mm-hmm. the Royals analyst, about him in a few minutes. Andrew Benintendi didn't play last night because he, uh, what do you say, he fouled a ball off his calf muscle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used before. to do that. It's called duct tape. We got ice. What was it that, uh, what was it that AJ Burnett yet. used to yell? We got ice. Yeah, well, that's because he never got hit. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you'd throw baseballs at him. Yeah. How's exactly. it feel? You like it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, we're giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker. That is whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast, all you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 590-590. Yesterday we asked you, would not have gotten this. Mm-hmm. Who's the only Orioles pitcher to have 50 or more saves in a season? In fact, this player did it twice. The answer was Jim Johnson. Mm-hmm. Not getting that. I mean, if I looked it up, I would have, but... Orioles closing history? No. Not a chance that I would get that. Mm-mm. Not a chance. Today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and the Orioles at the Rogers Center on Tuesday, June 14th. This I would have gotten without even finishing the question. Mm. Who was the first Oriole to hit 50 home runs in a season? Again, who was the first Oriole to hit 50 home runs in a season? Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. We'll have more tickets to give away next week. So there you go. Two tickets to see the Jays and the Orioles at the Rogers Center Tuesday, June 14th. That's the best read you've ever had. The first Oriole to hit 50 home runs in a season. That's the best That's the best read you've ever had. Why? I don't know. It was, it was, the Orioles, it was consistent. You didn't stutter. You didn't mumble. The Orioles bring out the... You didn't start the, and stop. You, you great. The Orioles bring out the best in me. They do. Hey, yeah. I can see that. Dauber just went straight up, didn't he? Huh? Your dauber went straight up. <laughs> wow. Never heard that word used on this, uh, on this show before. Stay tuned. Jerry Blevins. Uh, every time I see SNY, I think Saturday Night Live. I don't know why. Jerry <laughs> Blevins of Saturday Night oh, Live. Well, I hope so. Jerry Blevins of uh, Sportsnet New York and host of the Shea Station podcast will be along at 11.30 a.m. He is from Johnson City, Tennessee. He is. Which is 40, how far? 40, 40 minutes. 40 minutes from Bristol. So is yeah. it other side of the mountain or is it mm, same side? Same side. All right. Who was it that was from the other? We, we had on and, Bar- and Gibbons made the joke. It was a Jay's pitcher. Dan, uh, Daniel. Uh, oh. Uh, I don't think that's why he was making the joke. Ah, anyhow, he said that, uh, yeah, that uh, because I remember he, the guy he didn't have, the guy me. didn't have a, as much of an accent as you do. Yeah, yeah. And Barker, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gibby said that's because it was from the other side of the, <laughs> other side of the mountain. You miss him, don't you? Every now and then I do. Every now and then there's a Gibbyism that that kind of creeps into. He didn't play Daniel me. Daniel so Hudson. There you go. Daniel I'm not a Hudson. big fan of his. Who? He didn't play me, so he had lots of chances. It's true. I had the I was the best five o'clock hitter he's ever had, Jeff. 
So I, I put yeah, four. The problem is the game I doesn't more, start till seven. Well, that's just because he didn't let me. He didn't let my game start at seven o'clock. So I blame him for it. Wow. What the? He put me in Yankee Stadium last day of his season. You think he cared about me? Absolutely not. You ever I, you ever played the outfield in the big leagues? Absolutely not. Well, guess what? You're playing right field. I like Stadium. to Go think. get him, kid. So you know he didn't like me. I like to think that that was a sign that, <laughs> that he, he don't like me. No, I like to think that that was a sign that Gibby had trust with you and trust in you, and thought that you were such a professional. That has nothing to do with that. that. He just could put Burnham you Wells in that position. Play. That's the only reason he didn't want to play. Too. Was the last day of the season. <laughs> well, there could have been that at work. Too. That was what it was. There could have been that at work. <laughs> Anyhow, Jerry Blevins will join us, and we'll chat about the uh, the New York Mets. And just keep. Uh, like the Yankees. Who's a better Surprise team? Who's a better team? The Yankees. Well, last Blevins better, at. Better, better, bullpen. better bullpen. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Eduardo Escobar, by the way, hit for the cycle last night against San Diego with six RBIs. Is it, uh, how impressed is that that he's a switch hitter? He had three of those hits right-handed, one left-handed. Uh. He had t- The first two at-bats were right-handed. The third one was left-handed. The fourth one was right-handed. Why I say that is that's a big deal going back and forth and actually having success doing it. You give yourself a chance by flipping over to the other side, but you got to figure that can't be easy. Like, and he uses the entire field, and I know he's a natural, natural right-handed hitter, so that's his, the three hits that he got right-handed, he's right-handed. So, but that lefty swing, I, I, that's the home run he hit was left-handed. Obviously, he uses his left-handed swing more, so he's probably got a little natural uppercut in that swing, and he got a better chance of going deep right, left-handed. But I was thinking about that on a drive in here. That's, that is something. It is. Switch hitting. Now, you'd think it'd be easier, but is it easier? I don't know. I've never switched hit, but you would think that wouldn't be the easiest thing to end game, flip around, have good enough plate awareness, and feel good enough because you know probably his right-handed swing's not used a ton because there's more right-handed pitchers he's going to face, so he uses his left-handed swing more. I just think that's... Eduardo Escobar, by the way, was one of those guys you heard linked to the Blue Jays in the offseason when sense. the Jays were looking, <laughs> looking dad switch hitters. Made too much sense. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring in Rex Hudler, Kansas City Royals TV analyst, one of our favorites. Mr. Hudler, how you doing, sir? Oh, my gosh. Jeff and Kevin, great to be with you. What's it been? A couple of years? Too Come long. on, man. Too it's long. been too long. You still had not forgotten my number. Thank you so Absolutely much. Absolutely not. The only reason I called is I want to know how good the fishing's been. That's the only reason I want to talk to you today. How good <laughs> is the fishing? And when I come to Kansas City, you better take me fishing. That's all I can say. Oh, Kevin, hey, we're in, bud. Hey, all I need is one day notice from my buddy. My, he's got the boat and everything. All we got to nice. do is just show up. Beautiful lake. Now, I'm a crappie fisherman because crappie is one of the sweetest-tasting fish you can ever eat. And so we got plenty of that. Spring's usually the best. I got a little bit in because baseball sometimes conflicts with my fishing. But uh, I got some of that in. The fall's not bad either. Uh, Spider rigging is an experience where you got to put all four lines out in front of you. I got four. My partner's got four lines. And they sit there, and, man, it's action all day. Well, of course, until you get your limit. And then then you got to go. But, uh, hey, it's so fun here living in the country, man. There's just a lot of outdoor stuff to do. and really a blessing to be here. Yeah, yeah, I'm jealous. Okay, what is the limit? How many can you catch in one one fishing trip? I believe it's 15 now here. It depends on the state you're in, uh, Missouri or Kansas. Uh, mm. uh, but, you know, 15's good. You get heck, you know, the biggest ones are about 17 inches. If you can get catch those, man, you're going pretty good. 
but uh, the the, the uh, limit on them is it's ten inches. You got they got to be over ten inches. Yeah, wow. see, that's that's no brainer uh, of fishing where you just throw the line in the water and they come up and, and take the line and run off with it, and then you you set the hook that way. It's it's a little easier to do that than it would be for a, a non fisherman like myself to actually cast and you know have to trick them to come and and take the bite and and run off with it. So I'm in. When I come, I'm going to call yeah. you, and you're going to take me. Hopefully, Kevin, it, I'm I'm waiting patiently for you, buddy. I love it. Come I on love down. It. I love it. Um, well, you could go in the fall, I suppose. I don't know if there'll be postseason baseball Boy, be cold for the in Royals. Kansas City, That's though. bad. I'm sorry, I said that. Yeah, Rex, what happened? What's yeah. happened? What's happened to the Royals? Like I, you know, we looked at this team a couple of years ago, and and it just it kind of thought, yeah, this is. Yeah, I remember thinking, man, the Central, Detroit gets this act together. Minnesota, they've got some really good young players. This this could really turn into quite the division. What what's happened to the Royals and and where are they now on the I guess on the development curve, if you want to call it that? Well, Jeff, you know, they're on their way. They're 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 heading up towards the pinnacle of the curve. They just they just run into some some issues, and those issues are the game's not that easy. And for young starting pitching to try to face these guys, the Stantons, the Judges, uh, the, 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 you know, the Guerrero Juniors, uh, uh, the Springers, um, you know, you make any kind of mistake in the middle, and these guys don't miss. They're so good. I mean, it's the best in the world. So when you're young like that, you're trying to figure out, how am I going to get outs? How am I going to stay consistent? How am I going to pound the strike zone and keep my team in the game? And when you have – Three, four young starters like that that, are, that that don't have a year in the big leagues at service time, you know, you're going to take your lumps. And we expected to, them to mature a little bit quicker, but obviously it's not on our time. It's on theirs. The pitching has been the problem. Uh, the bullpen started out great, but like most everybody in the majors, offenses were down. Uh, and so, I mean, with the bullpen throwing scoreless innings like that in April, are you are you saying, wow, we have a good bullpen? Or once it heats up, whack, 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 whack. So mm-hmm. now it's the starters, the bullpen, and they haven't been able to put everything together. They're, they're always a good defensive team. That's the staple of the Royals organization. They're always good defenders, and that's good. And that pitching, once it starts to happen, we got Bubich, we got Lynch. There's a kid, a right-hander, Coar. You know, there's a Heasley. Uh, these guys are all under 24 years old, and, you know, they're taking their lumps now. So the pitching hasn't worked out. Offensively, you know, they've got some pieces, especially some young players, um, and, and then there's a few more in the minors. But it just has not come together early. They haven't even come close to playing their game. They've got speed, mm-hmm. you know, but this just hasn't, they, haven't, they haven't gotten it together yet. We're hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> Here that that we don't end up being the worst team in baseball. I don't think we are that, but you know, so far we have been. Do you think Kansas City has anybody that that will be traded at the trade deadline? You know, it's always they're a pretty conservative organization, um, but I would think that this year they might be able to move some pieces. We'll wait and see. I don't know that. It's always difficult to to read. Uh, my job as a color commentator is to, to try to educate people on baseball and share what's going on. Uh, I, I don't get involved with the front office activities. If they want anything, if they want me to know anything, they'll tell me. But I would think that that it's advantageous uh, for them to move a few pieces around and see if they can get some uh, younger uh, players, or not even just younger. Sometimes major league ready players is, is what we might need. Uh, there's a couple of veterans on this team, and we have a couple of young guys. Bobby Witt Jr. is a star. Prado is going to be a big star catcher coming up behind Salvador Perez. 
And uh, getting a kid, Kyle Isbell, who was hitting second in the lineup last night, they like his bat, his athleticism. Um, there are some nice pieces out there for sure, but they just haven't been able to put it together in all three areas. And we all know what those areas are. Yeah, you know, Pitching, one of, defense, hitting, timely hits, you got to have those. Yeah. yeah, one of the names that we, we keep hearing connected with the Blue Jays is Andrew Benintendi, and I'm not I'm not going to ask you to sort of rate the chances of him being traded, but I am going to ask you, what is Andrew Benintendi right now? I mean, he's a guy we know from the American League East. Have Have you seen anything in him? Has he changed at all since he he came over to Kansas City? And and you know, I look at him, and you know, with all due respect to, and I have a lot of respect for Dayton Moore, and I have a lot of respect for the way the Royals do their business. If I'm the Royals, I might be looking at extending this guy as opposed to trading him. Yeah, you know, Jeff, it, it, we haven't gotten to those discussions yet since the deadline's a couple of months away still. But there has been a lot of rumors, you know, whenever there's a guy, a, a guy and I use that term guy, right. a guy is a, is a, is a, is a player. Mm-hmm. And whenever that he gets, you know, has a free agent year coming up, they're going to talk about moving him. But what, getting to watch him hit every night is a, really a pure joy. He's a pure hitter. He loves his eyes ha- tell his hands exactly where to go to the baseball. He's not a one-dimensional player. He, he sprays the ball around. However, I watch every night defenses play him with the three-man shift to the right side, and it just amazes me as he continues to go to left field. And the reason they do that is because when he does pull the ball on the ground, that's why they play him over there, that he makes outs over there. But, you know, he's so good at hitting against the shift. Uh, one, he's a left field, right field, center field, but he has the knack to barrel. Now, he's not the most powerful that mm-hmm. we've seen, but but he has the knack to hit. He's a hitter. And he has been ever since his amateur days. And it's really fun to watch a professional hitter like Ben Intendi. I believe, I don't know if he's off to such a great double start, but he's he's hit, hit, hit to had a couple seasons of 40 doubles in Boston. And I believe that uh, he'll be he'll be fine as far as that goes, too. And he might hit a few homers, but Kaufman's such a big yard, it's hard to leave unless you're Junior or Bichette going yep. opposite field, making it look like a bandbox like he did last <laughs> night. Which which is really impressive, but Ben Intendi, he's a hitter, and whether we trade him or or keep him, he he knows how to put, hit the hit the ball baseball. That's so much fun to see. You you mentioned Bobby Witt Jr. What what would be a good season for him? Hey, uh, uh, health just health. Yeah, that he stays out on the field mm-hmm. because when you have tools like that, Kevin. It, 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 you don't have to do anything. And those are a lot of natural gifts there at 21 years old. Heck, at 21 years old, I was just trying to figure out uh, how to chew gum and play baseball at the same time. And, and this kid, and I was toiling in the minor leagues, you know, trying to figure out who I was. This guy knows who he is, and he is a, uh, really an impact player already. 21 years old, batting third in a big league lineup. I mean, you know, that's pretty good. He's got he's a he's a Mike Trout Jr. He's got he's a bottom hand dominant. Stays in the middle of the field with the baseball. The biggest holes are right there in the middle, and so that's where you're going to get your hits. Mm-hmm. And he's got nice power. He gets underneath the ball. His head position, his technique offensively is really reminds you of a, a young Mike Trout. He's a low ball hitter like Trout because he goes down with his bottom hand and can lift those low pitches. And then when we talk about the other side of the ball. 
and he's exciting his feet. I can't, you can't even see his feet. Looks like he's walking and running on air. They're so fast, and and he's able to get to his feet. And and he his defense. He's got a great arm uh, from the hole anywhere. He played third for the first little bit of the season until Modesty went down again. Unfortunately, that's a big chip that we missed, but uh, have missed over the last few years. But but he has that. Uh, baseball ability, and whenever you're t- you're titled a baseball guy, mm. that's a compliment. Yeah. That means you're he's well rounded. He's six tools, not not five tools. Mm. That added six tool is his baseball IQ. And when you're raised in a major league family, like his dad was a big leaguer for a long time, a pitcher, yeah. you know, you have an idea. And uh, the Royals certainly uh, uh, did great by picking him in the second overall pick. Uh, but you know, we we're looking forward to watching this kid to come. And uh, watch him continue to develop. He's only going to get better. But to answer your original question, he just needs to stay on the field. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was watching Bobby Witt and thinking about what, what Bo Bichette was like when Bo came up. And we still have this this conversation that you know, we, we ask ourselves, what type of a hitter could Bo be? You know, Bo's hit cleanup. A lot of people think he's a power hitter. His manager, Charlie Montoyo, and other people think he might be able to win a batting title at some point in his career. What do you think Bobby Witt, and I understand, this is, uh, I understand this is purely hypothetical, Rex, but if five years down the road, what do you think we will be thinking of when we see Bobby Witt standing at the plate? What, what type of hitter will we be looking at? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just project a little bit, yeah. like I did early in the season. Um, if you want to go back and look at baseball reference on Robin Yount, check him out. Robin Yount, Hall of Famer. Uh, he, he's the only player to ever win a gold glove in center field and shortstop. And of course your shortstops are the best athletes on the field, but as a hitter, I think he has the chance to hit for a high average. He has triple crown pot- potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you look at Miguel Cabrera, it took him a long time to hit his triple crown. And, 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 and you know, it, you have to develop yourself. You have to get physically stronger at 21. Heck, I wasn't the same player at 21 that I was at 28. Right. And then, you know, he, 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 he just, he has a, a great routine. His off season workouts are amazing. Uh, he, he, he's way ahead of the curve. And of course, a lot of these guys are with the technology that, that's available to them. And he's in one of those modern day gladiators. That's just, that's just polished and ready to go at such a young age. So when you put all that together, I, I believe he's got triple crown skills, uh, potential. But, you know, it's just hard to predict in baseball. But, you know, your guy, Bichette, uh, uh, a couple of years ago got his first big league hit at Coppin Stadium here. Mm-hmm. I was there with his parents and everything. And, and I think that's a good comparable, these two young guys. Um, I think Junior might be a little faster as he has elite speed. He has some of the best times to first base and feet per second uh, of anybody in the major leagues. Uh, so we've been having fun watching him. But, man, watching you guys' team, too, is exciting. And I'm, I'm looking forward to go to the ballpark tonight and watch some young talent at the highest level in the world, fellas. Just like being on the show with you, oh you guys goodness. are one of the highest. Oh, Fuck my me goodness. Up, man. Oh, man. Oh, Rex, I was, hey, I tried to – hey, guys, I tried to – I was sitting down when the interview started, and now I'm pacing <laughs> the floor because I can't wait to get to the oh. ballpark, man. Oh, we love you. Talking ball. Oh, that's awesome. Rex, listen, it's been really good of you to join us yeah. today. Thanks so You're much, man. You got us pumped up, too. You always do. <laughs> yeah. oh, hey, it's going to be a lot of fun, folks. I can't wait to get to the yard. That's and you know what's even better is we get to go on the road this year, and that makes my wife so happy. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> that's because you take yeah. her on the road, right? 
<laughs> yeah, no, we're used to now. She's coming back again. We're going to California. I let her on one trip, but you know she's so happy to get me out of the house. She can't breathe, man. It's beautiful. <laughs> All right, Rex, take care. See you later. See you later, man. Yeah, okay, thanks. Be well. That's Rex Sudler, Royals analyst. He does. He He's does, the best. Well, he does like him some they got, baseball. They got 17 wins. I mean, you got, you got to figure out some way hey, to have fun. Uh, well, I'll, really. I'll tell you what. You want to you want to earn your money? Yep. You be a color analyst in a team that stinks. Yeah. Like seriously, you got to tell some stories. You got to you got to tell it like it is. But no one wants to come on and hear that the sky is falling. Mm-mm. Rex is the perfect the perfect guy for that. I'm look. I. I the reason I'm looking forward, I was looking forward to this series was Bobby Witt Jr. Everything you hear about him from, you know, people in the industry. Um, you know, I was, I got a couple of friends who were scouts and they seen him in spring training and they were just, they just, every, everything about this guy, mm-hmm. they just, they rave about him. Now, yesterday we saw a couple of, a couple of misplays sure. uh, by him, but you, I'll, I'll ask you one game. I know it's just mm-hmm. one game, Kevin, one game. I'm not going to ask you to compare him to Bo. Sure. But I'm going to kind of ask you to sure. compare him to Bo cuz you now you've seen him swing and mm-hmm. it's probably going to be the mechanics are probably going to be the same mostly sure. through his career. Well, what do you see when you see him? Oh, I like the sound off the bat. That's the first thing I'd notice the line drive he hit the left and field. And he is you quick. Can, you can tell. He was young. He's 21 years old. If you're not quick when you're 21, you got no hope for you. The, the, yeah. I, I I think the defensive side of it, everything that comes with being a defender at the big league level on an everyday basis what Bo's going through. Is he a shortstop? That's the one thing you got to ask yourself. Is he a second baseman? Is he a third baseman? Or is he the quarterback of your team? That's the big question. Like, I, how can you answer that? Like, yeah. the only way you're going to know is, and is to run him out there and let him tell you. And, of course, the, the Royals have been hurt by the fact that Edelberto Mondesi's been, been hurt as well. Um, it, it is. It is, too. I, I, I do say this. When you're 21, wins and losses don't really matter to you like you're not going out there to win a championship you're going out there to establish yourself as a big leaguer and then they're going to fill in the blanks around you when you figured it out because they think that it's time basically it's go time to, mm-hmm. s- to start winning games and i'm not sure they know like I, how do they how would they know if he's a short he's an everyday shortstop we didn't know bo was yeah bo had to prove to everybody you know just everything that goes into backhands and the shift and arm strength and accuracy and footwork and just everything that goes into to being the man on the field. That's the one thing for me. The the offensive side of it, he'll figure that out. And you know, what's he hitting? He's hitting 219, right? Yeah. It's it's you know, if that starts getting a little lower, he'll be just because of his age, how we handle that. Scoreboards are bigger at the big league level. Mm-hmm. How we handle hitting 200 at the big league level. That that'll be another thing. A failure, everybody handles it differently. I'm sure he's never failed. How would you know? Again, Vladdy goes through this. He's going through that this year. Routine-wise, what do you do? And do I listen to people telling me to uppercut? <laughs> you got to know sometimes to be able to go, dude, I hit three. I hit 48 big ones last year. I know it's a little something, how to, how to mm-hmm. put, you know, barrel to baseball. There's that fine line. And all these kids go through that little time. I didn't know how. cost me big league time. Plain and simple. I was just as good as everybody else at the big league level. But I didn't know how to say no. Not doing that. Then the next day, you give me something else to do. I'm not doing that on top of what you try, asked me to do the day before. And I didn't know how to say no. And end of story, it cost me tremendous amounts of big league time. So this is what these kids will go through. But the tools are there. Now six tools, that's a lot to ask. You know, yeah, he, he threw a ball to first base, flat-footed, 
arm strength didn't look like it was really there. Again, this is one game. Absolutely. We'll see yeah, a bunch of these sure. things. But again, being a shortstop, having to do it on the run, weird arm angles, Bose had to just so much concentrate on all of those little things that it takes to be an everyday shortstop that he's still learning how to do. All right, let me ask you this. What do you look for first time you see a young hitter? The first time you get a chance to see a guy at the plate, what is your your mind's eye drawn to? What is your former player's, former hitter's eye drawn drawn to? Bobby Witt Jr. goes up to the plate last night for the first time. What are you most interested in seeing? Can he get the head out on velocity? Real simple. If If he can do that as a hitting coach, as an organization, you can teach him how to do all the other things. That's it. Like, be able to get in an athletic position and be able to see a fastball out of a pitcher's hand and be able to, on a good heater, middle end, get the head out and hit that to the pull side. If he can do that, now all of a sudden you can teach him how to recognize the strike to ball that goes down and away. How do I lay off that? That's plate awareness. That's understanding who you are as a hitter. Are you a line-to-line guy? you got to buy into saying, no, I'm not. Danny Jansen. No, mm-hmm. I'm not a guy that can go line to line. I'm a guy that's right center to left field line. So you got to figure out all those things. But when you're going to watch a young hitter, you're young. You should have tremendous bat speed. You should be able to get the head out on velocity. So if you can do that, you work. You figure out everything else. Game two of the Royals J series first pitch is scheduled for eight ten p.m. tonight on Sportsnet five ninety. The fan and Sportsnet Alec Manoa takes a six and one record in his 1.98 ERA into the game against Brad Keller. He's 1-6 in six with an ERA of 4.15. Mr. Barker and myself will be on immediately following the game with Blue Jays talk. They gave us a night off last night because the game was going late, started late. Um, but we will be on uh, tonight for sure. Jerry Blevins is host of the Shea Station podcast. He is also Sportsnet New York's Mets analyst. So who you got? Who's a better team? The Mets or the Yankees? We'll ask Jerry Blevins that. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan 360. And as always, wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. After starting with Kansas City. And Escobar shoots one down the right field line toward the corner, and it's beyond the reach of Mazzara. Alonso is in to score. Canna right behind him. It's going to be for the night and he has hit for the cycle the first bet in 10 years to have a single double triple at home run in the same game now the Mets the Mets keep doing Mets things Eduardo Escobar with the cycle last night six RBIs as well which a lot hey, have you ever covered a guy that had a cycle yeah, I've seen a, I, I, I've seen a couple of cycles. Yes, um, I'm, I, yeah, the most famous one was Jeff Fry's cycle, where he actually stopped at first base to get the cycle. Yeah, at the Rogers Center, and and I mean, I could have made it to second, honestly. You could. Oh yeah, he stopped at first to get the cycle. Huh. 
just pulled up and didn't go and yeah, it was interesting. I was, I've seen a couple of them. I, they don't they don't spring to mind. I know I saw a couple I, covering covering the Expos. I played a bazillion years in the minor leagues, as you know, and I've I've never seen one. I've seen I've seen guys have six RBIs and eight RBIs, and I, I think I might have had eight or nine RBIs in one game before at the minor league level and a couple of homers. Like you'd have, you know, the 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 two doubles and two homer games. I've I've seen those before, but yeah, cycles are hard to get. Well, yeah, that, that there's that that triples kind of the. And who really cares about the minor leagues getting a cycle? Like it's I think cooler it's like, if you do it in the big leagues. Yeah, absolutely, it is. And uh, and as you mentioned, Eduardo Escobar, switch hitter, that's got cool. One of his hits. I, you would uh, think that'd be a little tougher. Got hits from both sides of the Maybe plate. Maybe it's not. Uh, Jerry Blevins is host of the Shea Station podcast. He is also Sportsnet New York's. One of their Mets analysts, one of their baseball analysts, he joins us on Blair and Barker. Jerry, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, got a fellow from Bristol right beside me. I know you're from Johnson City, so uh, welcome to our show. I was uh, wondering where that accent was from. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate that. Well, Jerry, actually, well, where's yours? Yeah, where well, is yours? I, I was born in Tennessee, but I was raised in Ohio, so I am, uh, I guess, an expat from uh, Tennessee, but my, my family's all from the eastern Tennessee area. Nice. Well, you know, I grew up in, in Mendota, Virginia, which is about 15 minutes from Bristol, so it's a little bit more country. I don't know if you've ever heard of that place or not, but <laughs> that's where I get the accent. It's, you know, I, I've, I've been away from there forever, and I, I'll never get rid of it, which is okay. My wife seems to like well, it, which a, is all that matters. It's a wonderful thing. It it's is. It's a wonderful thing. My mom's side of the family's all from West Virginia, so I get a I get dual, you know, kind of country nice. accent, which... And I'm stuck in here in, in middle America with about as plain of anti-accent, I guess, if you will. So I'm, I'm a boring, boring Midwesterner. <laughs> Jerry, thanks so much for taking time out to talk to us today. I'm going to start off with an easy question for you. If the Mets were to face the Yankees in a seven-game series right now, who <laughs> easy, wins? Easy question. Yeah, right now? Yeah. Seven-game series? Uh, it would go seven. I know that for a fact. Uh, I, I think right now the cash, it's not an easy question uh, <laughs> because we're missing the The Mets are missing Max Scherzer right. and Jacob DeGrom, mm-hmm. uh, which is a game changer for any series. Um, but I think the Mets have a recipe to, to win any game. And if you can just shut out some of the big boppers on the Yankees side, um, they're a little bit more reliant on the long ball. Uh, I think it's, it'd be a fun fight to watch. I, I'm picking my Mets because, you know, that's that's the team I cover. I know it a little bit uh, more. Mm-hmm. But if they get Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer back, I, I don't see how anybody could choose anybody but the Mets. Is uh, Pete Alonso, is this for real, what he's doing? Uh, it's 100% for real. Um, you know, he came up in 2019 uh, as a rookie and hit 53 home runs, broke the rookie record. Mm-hmm. Um and then he had the shortened season uh, and, and COVID and had a slow start, but ended up, I think, hitting like 17, 14, something like that in the short season. Struggled a little bit last year and still hit over 30. Uh, but this is he's, he's the real deal, man. He's an old-school throwback power hitter, you know, a Jim Tomey, uh, a Jason Giambi-style power first, first baseman that just loves to drive in runs. Um, just like a true throwback power hitter, and I love every bit of it. I love watching him play. Uh, just a run producer. What difference has Buck Showalter made to this team this year? 
Wow. Um, Buck Showalter has made a, a huge difference. They, they did a bunch of stuff personnel-wise. They hired Billy Epler as their GM, uh, basically running their baseball operations stuff. Uh, but he's really changed the culture of, of the team. There's a lot of it that goes on uh, that you don't really see unless you, unless you follow these guys day in, day out. They do, they do a lot of little things because Buck is so well-prepared and he's so hyper-aware of what's going on. He's always paying attention to the little nuances of the game, so nothing surprises him. But the biggest difference is, I think, is you'll see all the communication that goes on during the game. Like every hitter that faces a new pitcher will talk to the guy on deck about what he saw, what you might be need to be prepared for. Uh, it's just little things like that to where they're all moving in the same direction. So I think Buck has changed changed the the direction of the franchise in a way that just says, this is what we're doing. We're here to win. We're going to do all the little things that it takes to win, and we're going to be prepared, and we're going to, we're going to play our brand of baseball, and we're not going to mess it up. We're going to put pressure on the, on the other team, and we're just, going to, we're just going to play some really, really sound baseball. So we're talking playoffs with the Mets already. When playoffs do come for the Mets, what's their one big need? Do they need something to take them to a whole different level? Um, so there, that's twofold. So the, the first one is they need health. They need their, their mm-hmm. big boppers. They need Max Scherzer to come back and they're going to need Jacob DeGrom. Like people, DeGrom's been out for a little bit. He missed the end of last year. People forget how good he is. Uh, he's, he's head and shoulders above every other pitcher on the planet. Like it's not even close. Like Garrett Cole, uh, throws a hundred, all that, that magical stuff. Shohei Otani's great. You know, Shane Bieber, Alex Manoa's uh, uh, excellent starting pitcher you guys have there. Nobody touches DeGrom. He's that good. And Max Scherzer is a, is a multiple Cy Young winner, pitching great. Uh, so if you bring those two guys back healthy, uh, it, <laughs> that'll change it. And then I think they might need one more piece in the bullpen, one more kind of seventh, eighth inning guy to let Edwin Diaz close out the game. They've had some success. They've got some. They've got a pretty deep bullpen, uh, but I do think they need one more back end kind of shutdown guy. Sure. When Degrom comes back uh, mechanically, will he have to change anything? Will you see him trying to not throw a hundred miles an hour? Uh, no, I think I think you'll see him be the same pitcher he's been for the last few years. Um, th- there's nothing that you can change. It's 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 a beautiful thing. He's not like. You don't see it and think, man, that guy's really trying to yeah. throw hard. It doesn't. It looks effortless because it's, it's basically just perfection of movement. It's a, it's like poetry in motion. So it's really fluid. It almost looks kind of slow, but it's so explosive. So he's not doing anything. And throwing a baseball is so bad for your body in general. It's so difficult to do physically. Um, I've dealt with guys that have had like the the stress reactions before. It's just a it's just not a healthy thing to do to your body. And so if he changes things mechanically, I I, I, I he wouldn't be the same guy. So I expect him to be, you know, that top tier version of himself doing, you know, if he gets hurt doing it, that's that's going to be how he goes out. He's not going to change who he is. So no Scherzer, no Degrom. How is their starting pitching holding up the way it's holding up? 
man, we've got, uh, first of all, the defense behind them is an excellent defense. I think that's another thing that, that Billy Epler and Buck Showalter have really imprinted is we're going to play really, really good defense. And that's helped the starters because um, you see Carlos Carrasco, who's, who's bounced back from uh, a shaky year the year before, who's just been have a, a resurgence. Um, you have uh, uh, Taiwan Walker, who's really elevated his game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it's just that leadership and knowing that you have good defense behind you uh, that really allows these guys to, to be themselves. They're not trying to strike out everybody. They're not trying to do too much. If you can just create missed barrels, basically, the whole, the whole idea of pitching is to, to create weak contact. And when you have a really good defense behind you, knowing that, you're able to throw strikes a lot more often to have the confidence that the guys behind you are going to make those plays. So it's really just a – the Mets are a great team. Everything that they do, they do at a high high level. And, um, you know, nothing super stands out um, as far as, like, they're, they're just hitting a million home runs mm-hmm. or stealing a ton of bases. They just play really good baseball. With uh, Lindor, is that Mets thing, big market – is there something to that? Do you see that with him mentally? Uh, as far as like his struggles last year, sure. yeah, Carrier, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think there's a there's a lot. I think Lindor really put a lot of pressure on himself to produce, and the team was so bad last year. There were so many underperformers, um, top to bottom, that I think he really tried to carry the team on his shoulders, and he's not that kind of player. And the Mets didn't want him to, to to try to do something different because he's an amazing player, the style that he plays. So he's not going to carry you offensively. Um, and I think he tried to do too much with that huge contract. Um, and so I think he's he's just settled back into being who he is. I think the, the front office and Buck has uh, reminded him to just play your game, Francisco. You got the you got the big contract because you're an amazing shortstop. You're a switch hitting guy. You're not. We're not trying to ask you to hit 55 homers. Just be you. Do your thing, and all the pieces will fall into place. And I think he's just at a comfort level with everybody surrounding him that he's he's been able to to bounce back. Jerry, really good of you to join us today. Thank you. Great stuff. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Be well. That's Jerry Blevins, Sportsnet New York. He's also host mm-hmm. of the Shea Station podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Jerry Blevins. The Mets are 38 and 19. They've won three in a row. They're eight and two in their last 10. They're nine up in the Atlanta Braves, who've won five in a row. They're 11 and a half up on the Philadelphia Phillies, who've won four in a row. Their run differential is plus 82. And for comparison's sake, the Yankees are 39 and 15, seven up in the Jays. They've won six in a row, eight and two in their last 10. The run differential is already plus 102. And I guess you should compare the Dodgers because the Dodgers are right there as well. Mm-hmm. 35 and 19, two and a half up in San Diego. Their run differential is plus 113. Hearing Jerry talk about the Mets and factoring in the return of DeGrom and Scherzer. Kevin, maybe the question isn't what happens if the Mets face the Yankees in a seven-game series. Mets and Dodgers would be a hell of a series. It too. would be. All, all, I think all of those, the Padres you could throw in there, 
the the Braves and the Phillies sort of fighting it out for a, or for a playoff spot. I know who you're going to go with. You know, I'm still sticking with my Phillies. I, the Phillies defensively just not a very good team. Like they yeah. give other teams way too many chances, and that's you know when you when you don't have a good bullpen and you're giving teams more and chances, I'll, that's an issue. So I you know I'm throwing that against the wall. But there are some some teams that are fighting it out in the National League, which is down the stretch. There you can see it, just sort of who's going to who's going to you know, take the bull by the horn, so to speak, I think. And I'll tell you one guy we didn't talk about with Jerry Blevins, but I love watching play, and I've got to think has has had a real impact on the Mets of Starling Marte. Starling Marte yeah. gets after it, man. He does. He does. All of those teams are intriguing. <laughs> Steve Cohen, how's he going to come into play here when it comes to trade deadline and how much money he's going to back up? Because he'll, you know. Well, of course, as David Sampson said yesterday, what about Aaron Judge? Oh, well, that's the end of the season. But you know, yeah, it's it's I know, but... when you can compete and and throw around and write a bigger check than most human beings can, if not all human beings. So yeah, I think the Mets have turned the corner a little bit when it comes to just tired of being pushed around in New York, sorta. Of. Yeah, damn it. It's more fun being pushed around talking about them that way. <laughs> they got some really good starting pitching. Like yeah, they, they do. They the Chris Bassett thing, the way he spins it, adding subtract to the fastball, like that's a whole different thing and Taiwan Walker and if you get the two big boys back and healthy man just talking about matching up they go four deep matching up hey you know what time it is it's time for Barker's back leg bits I don't know who he was praying to but Barker's like get up get out of here and the guy's right at the fence like I got this one you know the umpires would throw the balls out like hey Barker's up bring in the six balls we need the dead one Mr. Gann thank you very much for joining us be honest you don't remember Kevin Barker as a player do you like 50 years ago, we played. Good morning, guys. No, I drink too much. Well, I saw you in 2005 hit homers off scoreboards in the International League. Uh-huh. So I, I know how you roll. Yeah, we know how Barker rolls. Yeah, but nobody cares. It's minor leagues. That's yeah. No, you sell yourself short. Keep in mind that 99.9% of the people listening to this haven't Yeah, I'd rather have 270 back leg cities in the show, though. Saying, um, oh, we have got, mm, we have got a terrific question uh, for Barker's back leg bits. This part of the show where you get to DM Kevin Barker or you DM me, SN Jeff Blair, with questions for Kevin Barker, Jeffrey Rainey, uh, Jeff and Aurora. Okay, this is. At which point in player development did you learn to address the media? And being on the other side of the fence, do you keep that in mind when you interview players yourself? So the reason I'm asking this question is, I don't know, Kevin, when you played, did they have rookie? They did. Did they have the rookie classes that baseball has now? They they did. Well, it was top prospects. I mean, you had to be a top prospect. I, I did go to that. I can't remember there was a name for it. Do you remember what the name was? There was a name for it that, uh, uh, you know, a big group of people yes. got, got together. and and Was it in New York or would they do it in I, Florida again, I, or Miami? Uh, that's a great question. Spring training. But it, it's it, basically they bring the top prospects. It was, not, it was not in spring training. You okay. actually went there in the offseason. Okay. So I do remember that. I just don't remember what the name of it was. But it was, it was something where they were trying to teach you, you know, it was uh, no comment was one thing that I remember you don't say. That was a no-no. Don't say that. Like that was. That's like saying yes. 
<laughs> basically. Yeah. So that that was just the one thing that I remember you don't say as a player. Yeah, it was it was uh when when I was a younger player, I would have had a real issue with standing in front of Jeff Blair and Jeff Blair asking me, you know, somewhat tough questions and and to answer it without sticking my foot in my mouth. I'd had a tough time with that. And that's what we've noticed having younger players on this show is they're advanced. Like they're look at look at Boba Shet. Boba Shet's a pup and can just you know, he yeah. knows when to say it, how much Mike to Soroka say. When we it's have just on. like, it's crazy. Like, it's just, you know, it's it's nuts how they figure out how to figure out the media part of it. And, yeah, on flip side of it, I will, it's rare, because I do have a different relationship, as you know. I can yeah. go and, and I can text, and that's where I get a lot of my information. It's more from text than it is face-to-face sometimes, just because of where they're at and how hard it is to get, you know, face-to-face time with them. But, you tend to not go to people that you know is not going to give you a good answer. Like, yeah, it's just human nature, right? You're looking for the best angle. And I'm not looking for any way to make a player look bad. I will never do that because I yeah. used to be a player. I know how hard it is. But I'm looking for honesty. Yeah, well, it, And if I know that player won't give it to me, I won't go to that player. Yeah, it's, in- it's interesting because things are so different now because it's all about, for the most part, the cameras, for the most part, the interviews are all done at once. Post game, mm-hmm. and used to be that there were never cameras in the clubhouse, uh, and it used to be that you could go up to a player, and it's just things were different. Guys spent more time in the clubhouse. You could hang around, wait people up, go up to a player afterwards, and ask what you thought was the most important question, and it was just you, him, and most often a notepad or you had a tape recorder. Mm-hmm. So there was that that sense that you're having a conversation with a guy, and if the guy looks at you and says, I'm not answering. That's a dumbass question. Mm-hmm. You know, that's fine. That didn't necessarily mean that you would write so-and-so didn't answer the question. You would rephrase the question another way and, 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 and try to get an answer. And it's, it's, it's different now. It's, it's, I, I, I don't know if I'd say it's more adversarial now because I think in a lot of ways it's less personal now because there's just so many, everybody's using a tape recorder. Nobody hardly ever asks a follow-up question anymore. You know, everybody's interested in getting every burp and fart and the, you know, and, and, and just transcribing word for word for word, every blah and um mm-hmm. and ah, uh, it's a little, it, it's a little different. It's a little more, it is. it's a little more and most personal. Most of the questions that I have are very mechanical. It's, yeah. it's how did you get to that instead of why do you stink? Or, Absolutely. I, yeah, because I normally know why they stink. Yeah. Like I, but I want them to answer the question. Did you when you broke in as a rookie? Because you were a you were a highly touted rookie. What was your dealing like with the Milwaukee media? Because the Milwaukee media is now. I'm trying to think. Tom Hodricor would have been there, um, who's a terrific who like covered baseball for mm-hmm. dogs' age. Do you remember being interviewed by guys in your first year and how you were treated? By the reporters in your first year, I I I think it was more like you you you're saying like it was more like they would come up and ask you like tougher questions because it was you and that person. Yeah, and they weren't trying to show you oh, up because it's just you no, asking. No, it, it was yeah. why didn't you catch a, a pot? Like I this is what I and I cannot remember the names because you know I'm terrible yeah. with names. But I can remember when I was in Chicago, I was wearing my flip downs. Yeah, 
and that little that little humpback pop-up came to me, and I think there was a runner on second base, and the runner scored because I missed the little pop-up because that son, anybody that's ever played first base in Chicago would know this with the Cubs, against the Cubs, would know that that is a very tough sun. Like, the sun is right there because it's setting, and it's very hard to see, and even your flips don't matter. And you could see me, actually, when you went back to watch it, you could see me trying to get it to get yeah. the, and it just wouldn't. It wouldn't yeah. come down, and I missed the pop-up. And I can remember this reporter coming up to me and saying, basically, why didn't you use your flip down? And I really didn't know how to answer that mm-hmm. without just being an ass. Yeah. Like, I just didn't know how. Like, yeah. Really? Like it, And it was very uncomfortable. I can remember, like, I just was, I felt like the only person on island. Yeah. And this person was yelling and screaming at me, which he was not yeah. yelling and screaming at me. But it seems that but way. But it felt that way. And I could just remember because I was younger and I did not know how to handle it. And I think that's the difference between then and now yeah. is there's just not too much See, of that. I'll tell you what the difference would have been. Um, I'm willing to bet that you probably answered the question, but it, you, you, you it were, probably didn't come out right. I'm, I'm but sure. I'm willing to bet that because it wasn't tape recorded, the answer in the paper could have come out. Barker said that he Barker admitted that he slipped or, or Barker admitted that he was too late putting his. No, I wasn't late. You can see I was yanking on it. But what I'm saying is, instead of running the quote where you're having trouble, you would just simply write it as a fact and say Barker said after the game that he forgot whatever it was. Barker said after the game that he wished he'd been faster. But, yeah, yeah, and it's a great question. It's a great question. It's completely – I mean, it's just a completely different world now than it was was back when I was covering baseball. And and you you do, I think, good reporters do – tend to keep in mind when they're dealing with a younger player. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think it makes everybody's experience better. That's it for Blair and Barker today. It's a good question. We'll be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast. You can catch us on Blue Jays Talk tonight following the Jays-Royals game. Have yourself a great afternoon. Mm-hmm.